0: Welcome to the weekly deep dive podcast on the add on education network the podcast where we explore the weekly come follow me discussion and try to add a little insight and unique perspective i am your host jason lloyd here with my friend and the show's producer nate piper what is up. Hey Nate, how are you doing? Uh, I'm pretty much just living the dream every day of my life. Hey, that's a good thing to be uh, doing. Yeah. Yep. Excellent. Well, before we, we before we dive into Doctrine and Covenants, uh, this is going to be sections 46 through 48, um, but right right at the tail end of last week's discussion, there was a lot of cool things that we were talking about in, in Doctrine and Covenants section 45 in regards to prophecies, end times, and what we didn't get into were some of the future things when Christ comes again, and and as we were kind of discussing some of this content after the after the show after we were done recording, uh, we we got on the subject of of Zion being the city where it says that that brother will be lifting up sword against brother. I just wanted to touch on a few things that we talked about there real quick, and then move into today's uh, episode. But it says that if you do not want to lift up your sword against your brother, you would have to flee to Zion. And they call Zion specifically a city of refuge, and I thought that was so interesting they would use that language, uh, especially in light of a couple episodes back when we were talking about the law of God, and if you accidentally committed murder in the Old Testament, you could flee to these cities of refuge. And, and in my mind, I was thinking about this, the idea that if you take one foot and step outside of Zion, or excuse me, not outside of Zion, but the city of refuge, then the Redeemer of Blood had a legal right to kill you. So you, you had to stay within the confines of the city until the high priest died uh, to, to, to stay alive or to avoid being legally killed for, for accidentally murdering somebody. And to have Zion being described as a city of refuge kind of struck me as interesting, and and, and I was thinking about it almost from a, a perspective as if the world was becoming violent enough that brother was lifting up sword against brother, and anyone who did not want to fight had to flee to Zion. Would would simply stepping outside of Zion mean you risk taking your life into your hands that someone would kill you? And as, if I remember right, as I brought that up to you, Nate, you um you you took this much. Deeper than where I was going with this, on a on a spiritual perspective, to say perhaps you know the, the city of refuge, this idea that it, it's not so much a physical place or a membership in the church as much as this Zion, this holiness, the the, the Zion of the pure in heart, and that when we. When we step away from from that gospel, when we step away from that Christ, or maybe we fall away, and 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 help me out if I'm saying this wrong, but as we as we exit the safety of Zion, that that holiness, that holy city, we put ourselves at great spiritual risk of of those who are outside of the borders of Zion, ready at a moment's notice to slay us, uh, and 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 I don't know, put our spiritual lives at risk. Is that yeah,
1: yeah. When I when I um was kinda just looking at some of the definitions of Zion, one of them was holy place and you know we're taught to stand in holy places and for spiritual safety. Um but it made me start thinking, so if Christ has already died for us or the high priest in this in this case, um we are free from a certain punishment right which made me think oh well then well then what is how would that still apply to kind of modern modern times or our times and it's it still worked for me it still made sense you know christ died and was resurrected and we are now given the gift of we're now free from physical death right we've been have we've been freed from forever laying in a grave Mm -hmm. what's i think still important though to realize is that we still are doing everything we can to take advantage of the atonement and and still um, receive um, freedom from spiritual death, too. So,
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the high priest died, so we don't have to worry so much about our physical death. We're, we're, yes. we're free in that sense. But spiritually, what do we need to do to work out that salvation? What do we need to do to set that that ledger right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So, interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm glad this... I don't know, it just kind of stood out to me that this 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 idea that Zion was a city of refuge, which, you know, yeah, it's a place of refuge, but understanding that, that context of what it meant in the Old Testament kind of gave it new life, and I'm glad we kind of had that discussion. Yep, it's awesome. Okay, in today's lesson, we're going to be going into spiritual gifts, and we're covering Doctrine and Covenants section 46 through 48, but mostly 46 as we look at the content that's in here.
1: Did you uh did you notice anybody giving their uh children um the gift of flight as a spiritual gift like get a baby <laughs> no, blessing? No
0: no I did I did not see any gifts oh, of whatever flight. man. Nor nor did I see godlike strength and devilishly good okay, looks. Okay cuz that so. one's great. That one's
1: fantastic. <laughs> so True story though. Yeah, I mean uh, Can I have it, a true can I give you a true story real quick? Please do. I hate derailing these things so early on but I kind of <laughs> I kind of don't hate it that much either. Like, let's just go for it.
0: Hey, it puts a smile on my face. It was
1: was amazing. So when when I was a kid, um, it was me and my two sisters for um, a long time. And then when I was 10, my brother Kyle was born. And when I was 12, my brother Lane was born, the youngest. So there's like a pretty big age gap between them. So I was fully aware enough like for their baby blessings. And I remember in my youngest brother Lane's, my dad blessed him that he would be like, strong of stature and it was funny because he had even said he was like hey at work one time um and i I hope i'm telling the story right he's like i was looking at our family picture and like i could just tell that there was still somebody there that needed to be in our family but it was crazy because he was like and it's a boy and he's gonna be he's gonna be like he's gonna be a strong like stout like dude and we were all like bone rail You know what I mean? Like short. I wasn't short, but like my sisters aren't super tall and neither are my parents or whatever. And we're like, man, you're, you're, you know, and he's like, yeah, he's going to be strong. He's going to be tall. He's, he's like, you know, he might end up being like the tallest of all of you or whatever. So this is is pre birth, by the way, this is pre, (laughs) this is pre conception. This is like, we have, we already have a baby that just kind of got here not too long ago with my brother, Kyle, but Lane was born, um, was a dude. And is um, as tall as I am and could beat me up at any given moment if he wanted to. But it was crazy because even at his blessing, he reiterated it. And he was just like, you're going to be a big dude. Like, you're going to be a strong guy. Totally worked out. That's pretty cool. So they do work. I wish you would have given me the gift of flight.
0: <laughs> we, we, all, we all wish we had the gift of flight. All right. So we're going to start this off. Doctrine and Covenants, section 46, verse 1. And, and right off the bat, it says something a little bit interesting here. It says that the the revelation and what's written down here, so as we start talking about these spiritual blessings and what they're for, the Lord says that they are for your profit and mm-hmm. learning. And, okay. and profit here is spelled with an F, right? Okay. And, and I find the word choice here fascinating because profit is something that we associate with, with money. Yeah. And... And it's it's interesting to me because we're talking about these gifts, and, and and he says it's going to be for your profit. But then you look in the the New Testament when he's talking about talents, which is profit, and he's saying this is a financial uh, denomination of how much you know money we are giving you to do something with it. And yet we take that that financial amount and we change its meaning to mean gifts or talents, and and so which isn't right to me. <laughs> it might not seem right, but it's strange how they're linked. Like we talk about these spiritual gifts in terms of profit, but then we also talk about those talents in terms of and and maybe where where does the word talents even come from? I mean, is it is it these gifts that are 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 there for our profit? I mean, real quick.
1: We've talked about this before, but we I'm going to put my flag down and say Please do. The parable of the talents is not about God gave you the gift of singing, so if you don't sing in the choir, you're squandering that talent he gave you. That's that's a financial parable. I'm just going to put – I'm putting my flag down on that. And if anybody – look, if anybody out there wants to argue about this with me, I'm not going to do it right now because I'm not going to totally derail this thing. <laughs> but I'm here. You know the email address and I would love to talk about this with you. I would love Hi. to help convince you how correct I am about this. Hi at weeklydeepdive.com. Yep. Hi at <laughs> weeklydeepdive.com and you can just you can uh, you can at Nate at the at, at the top of the email. In the
0: subject. If you part. really
1: if you really wanna go with me about this, this is not about God gave you the gift of singing and so if you don't sing loud in primary, you're you're Squandering the talents he gave you. No, a talent is a piece of money, and this is a financial parable. And I would love to get into that later, but I'm not. I'm not going to do this to you right now, so, Jason.
0: So, so Nate has drawn a line in the sand. I'm drawing a line in the sand. it want to pick that up, so I do find the word choice uh, interesting, though. And so I did look up the uh, the etymology of uh, profit, and profit was uh, meant betterment, like it, it it was this this idea for improvement and particularly it looked like in the 1300s the word prophet was more strictly in the spiritual sense this idea that you are bettering yourself. And somewhere along the line, this word got associated not with self-improvement, but with, I guess, financial improvement. This idea maybe that your wealth or your worth was determined through financial. So so it is kind of interesting, the history of this word, where it comes from. And, and I find it kind of fascinating that we we tend to associate or, or at least many people, with the exception of Nate, tend to associate what? this idea of, of talents and Look, and profits. Talents are
1: talents, too. Money I'm saying, versus...
0: look, in that parable, it's not. That's all I'm saying. In that parable, a talent <laughs> is a piece of
1: money. Look, I, look I'm look. i not right. saying You're... that we don't have talents, man. <laughs> and look, I'm not saying that you shouldn't sing loud in primary.
0: But but if you sing really well, a lot of times that does lead to profit and, and talents in a well, different sense. maybe me because my voice is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I've never made any money singing. So...
1: Hey, for the, for the, it's funny when you brought that up though, I was just like, oh, hey, like, I do really enjoy making music and luckily that also helps pay the bills. It's like, dude, I get to use my talents for money. You do. <laughs>
0: Boom, baby. <laughs> It is interesting how they're they're connected or not connected, however you want to look at that. But I I just find the word choice interesting, and that's that's something that's going to be a kind of a, a common theme here. At least we're going to see word choice play another role as we as we kind of skip forward through this. So in verse two it says, "But notwithstanding those things which are written, it always has been given to the elders of my church from the beginning and ever shall be to conduct all meetings as they are directed and guided by the Holy Spirit." Okay, and, and I think that's kind of interesting. Notwithstanding all these things which are written, and when we're talking about what's written, we're going to be talking about these spiritual gifts and who gets spiritual gifts. And the point is, everyone gets spiritual gifts. And when they're saying everyone gets it, he says, but notwithstanding, everybody gets spiritual gifts it has always been given to the elders of my church from the beginning and ever shall be to conduct all meetings as they are directed and guided by the Spirit. And they're kind of, the Lord is prefacing that even before he dives into the gifts. I I find it kind of interesting. One does not necessarily relate to the other. Just because the elders may or may not be super gifted in some things or not gifted in other things, it's irrelevant. They're, They're Responsibility or or call to direct the meetings or or conduct the meetings in the church is not necessarily tied to their spiritual gifts, the 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 bountiful of it or the lack of it or however you want to say that. And just because somebody who's not an elder of the church is blessed with all sorts of spiritual gifts, and there's some crazy, uh, wonderful spiritual gifts is maybe the better word for that doesn't mean that they now have the right to take over the role of the elders. The Lord is saying, let me put a separation here and say that I will give you blessings, I will give you gifts, but that gift does not necessarily allow you to cross over certain lines that I'm setting from the beginning. There is an order and an organization, and I'm, I'm, I'm laying it out, but that doesn't mean that you don't receive gifts. So maybe with that, what is the purpose of the gifts? If it's not necessarily for for conducting in meetings, what is the purpose of gifts? And I I mean, going into that, let's see. The the Lord, I he can, can
1: I throw something in here real quick? Please do.
0: I like uh the
1: idea that you, when you're set apart for a calling, though, is that you're given what you need to to fulfill that calling. Mm -hmm. So you may be, you may be bringing spiritual, a spiritual gift or, or something that you do really well, and maybe even a talent that you've just cultivated. Maybe you bring that into the calling with you and that helps, but at the same time, it's not necessary. And something too, that I have learned the hard way is that, um, I always I, I feel like in a group of people if if I'm expected to like talk or say something or teach is like I can kind of hold my own but it's interesting because sometimes we feel like we can rely on those those types of like cultivated talents to convert or to convince people or or whatever it is that we're trying to do of things that the spirit has to do right mm-hmm. and There's been so many times where I feel like, man, I feel like I'm explaining this awesome and I feel like I'm doing like a great job of talking my way through this, yet it's still just not landing whatsoever. And somebody can come in and not have that same talent or the gift of gab necessarily and can come in and just sincerely say one or two things and it carries so much more weight spiritually. That You know what I mean? That the Holy Ghost then anchors that and I'm just like oh man that dude that dude can't smooth talk his way in a situation like I can but wow that was such a powerful thing right and so it's just when you when you bring that up about callings and stuff like that and positions in the church and the elders in the church that really hits that strikes a nerve with me cuz you go you don't need to feel inadequate if you're if you're called or asked to do something just like you shouldn't feel like you can cruise your way through something too. If you're like, oh well, I, one of my gifts is that I can do this without any preparation. You know, what I mean, like I can just fly by the seat of my pants and whatever. But that's not always going to be the thing that you need to 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 really, you know, magnify that calling as well.
0: Does that make sense? It does. And in, in, in Doctrine and Covenants, it says it a few times. Right, the Lord has called the weak ones to to declare His word, and and sometimes that weakness is is that that humility that that humble maybe you don't know what you're doing or maybe you don't have a great strength for that but you're you're giving your best effort anyways and and you don't realize how you touch somebody even if it doesn't come natural and and sometimes he gives people great power to to be able to speak eloquently or give them a gift to where people really do feel inspired and touched and you just never know what what what's going to happen? But maybe uh, maybe other Iring said it best. Uh, he said, "The Lord sends His prepared children to His prepared servants," and and however that that preparation is, or whatever insecurities we have, if we're still willing to open our mouth and and do the best we can with whatever we're given, the Lord's going to find a way to to put things in the right path and make that work. Love like, it. Thanks, Nate. The, these next couple verses. They they talk about the importance of including people and transparency. Don't turn away people from your public meetings. Allow them to come in. Anyone who's earnestly seeking the church, allow them to to come and participate in your meetings. Um, If somebody's a member and, and they're attending sacrament but they've done something that they shouldn't, don't turn them away from your sacrament meetings, but still allow them to come in, but maybe don't let them partake of the sacrament while they're working through whatever that is that they're working with, right? And and the Lord's pushing this this idea of transparency. This has got to be all out in the public, and we want to include and build that unity. And as he's setting up these guidelines, I find something very interesting in verse 7. Even though he's kind of set up the parameters of what you should do, when you should turn people away or when you shouldn't be turning people away, he finishes by stating, but... Ye are commanded in all things to ask God. So he says, yeah, don't turn people away, or, or in this case, don't do this, but ultimately ask God, because there might be a, an exception or a case where, where somebody you think is there in earnest or, or trying to do something, and, and, and you ask God and find out maybe there's a case or an example where you need to act differently or do something uh, other than what you would to follow those guidelines. Um, but he says, he adds to that quote, do all things, considering the end of your salvation, doing all things with prayer and thanksgiving. And then he adds that ye be not seduced by evil spirits. And it's interesting to me that when he says, do all things, considering the end of your salvation. And I think sometimes we get caught up or hung up in the moment. What do we think we need to do right now? Or based on this situation, and he's trying to pull us apart or pull us out of that mindset maybe and have us look at things from a long point of view. What does this mean for your for your eternal salvation when you're acting this way? When you're making this decision, is it because you're trusting in the Spirit you're asking me, or is it because you right now don't feel comfortable with that in the moment and you're just going to go and do something? I, I, I don't know. It's kind of interesting to have him frame that discussion in context of Consider the end of your salvation when you're doing all of these things. And and I'll certainly do it with prayer and thanksgiving. But then to finish it off by saying that you be not seduced by evil spirits, uh, that's where I find his word choice interesting again, because he's using the word seduced here. And and in verse 9, it says, And not for a sign, so when he says, I give you all of these gifts, but he says, and not for a sign that they may consume it upon their lusts. So, so we've got the seducing and these lusts that are typically terms that we associate with, with sexuality, with intimacy, and the Lord's using them here in terms of speaking about spiritual gifts and how you should act on them. Do not be seduced by evil. Do not act in your lusts. And I, I, I don't know, I, just, I find it kind of interesting. And maybe why I find it so interesting is because the Lord has constantly throughout the Bible described his relationship with Israel as the relationship of a husband and a wife. And we see it through the Old Testament. We see it played out in the New Testament, the idea that we're waiting for a, wait, a wedding feast. And when Israel goes through stages of apostasy, he describes that as uh, as cheating on him. When they start worshiping other gods, it's, it's like being seduced or, or succumbing to your lusts to to chase someone out. So, so having that language in here and kind of bridging that connection to me is kind of interesting. And and one of the cases, I, I think you see this symbolism all over the place, whether it's stated overtly or whether it's it's very subtle. And one case where it's very subtle is the story of Jericho and uh, the the crumbling walls, right? And and these. Israel is camped outside of the city, and they're trying to figure out what to do to take it, and they send two spies into the city to try to go spy it out, and the spies representing Israel go to the house of a harlot. And, and and the harlot hides them because somebody says we saw these Israelites come in here. They they're looking for them, and the harlot decides to hide them and keep them safe because she she looks at Israel outside her house is is positioned uniquely within the walls of the city. You've got this outer wall, this inner wall, and she's got a window right on this outer wall. She can look out. She can see the host of Israel, and she says, "You guys are going to win this war. God's on your side. All I ask in return for saving you." is that you save me and my family. And, and so they make this agreement. She hides them so they don't catch the spies, and, and she sends a little misdirection to have the, the people go somewhere else. And then she ties a scarlet uh, ribbon on her window so that when Israel comes through to destroy Jericho, they'll save that household they'll save that family and then she joins Israel and and becomes one of them so here you have this this representation of a gentile a woman who's on the outside she's she's part of the city that's going to be destroyed for being wicked but she's going to join Israel she's going to be coming into the fold if you will and and the reason why she is is because of this scarlet this red fabric that's symbolic of the blood of Christ, that he is going to die and shed his blood so that your sins, though they be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. That through his atonement, these outsiders can be brought into the house of Israel. This idea that, you know, what Christ said, you claim Abraham as your father, but I can raise up these stones and raise children unto Abraham. And here he's going to do this. And and where I find this interesting, you have Israel, who's who's supposed to be the chosen people, the holy people, Right. And the spies that represent Israel are going to the house of a prostitute. They're, they're, they're kind of whoring away, or they're, they're cheating on the Lord, if you will, in this sense. That's the imagery, by going to a prostitute. Where you have this prostitute, on the other hand, who is saving herself and becoming clean. And this, this idea, this foreshadowing, is that Israel is going to reject the Savior, and when they do, the gospel is going to go to the Gentiles, and they're going to be receiving it. So, so this, this notion of, of harlots plays quite a significant role throughout the Bible and kind of foreshadowing and teaching us about what it means to be faithful, saved, to believe in Christ, to come unto Christ, versus to turn away from Christ or reject Christ. It's killer. And, you know, we, we've—maybe maybe one last touch on this— We've talked about the story of David before, and maybe this is worth discussing more next year when we get into Old Testament, but but the idea that he was not where he was supposed to be when he was supposed to be there... He wasn't standing in his holy place, dude. He was not standing in his holy place. He stepped outside of the city of That's refuge. Right. That's and, exactly right. And it bit him. He got caught. That's right. And And when he does... You know, Bathsheba, It is bad enough that he was being unfaithful, that he, he had intimacy with a woman that he shouldn't have, but then to try to hide it and to kill her husband, right? It just goes down this path of, of darkness, if you will. But what I find super fascinating about this story um, is that through Bathsheba, Solomon's going to be the next king, and you follow this line all the way down to Christ, and you wonder, why is Christ's line where this is going to be the holiest and most perfect person, why why does it start on such a a sour note, if you will, this idea that David stole another man's wife, and and this relationship with David and this woman is going to be what gives birth to the Savior, Christ? And, And I look at that and I say, absolutely. Isn't that why Christ came? This idea that we do sometimes give in to our lusts, or we do sometimes turn away from the Lord and and fail to, to give him his recognition, because we do turn away and apostatize in different ways, that is the reason why the that Christ is going to come. I mean, it's very fitting that he is the fruit of those loins, that through that line, he's come to rectify, to fix the situation and add perfection to an imperfect line and make an imperfect people perfect. Did the...
1: Uh, Pharisees and Sadducees—did they have an idea of of uh, Jesus's lineage, or n- do you not think so?
0: Uh, that's a good question. I, I
1: sometimes wonder if that might have even played into some of the reasons why it would just be hard to accept that this person was, you know, the savior.
0: Well, I, in in two of the gospels, they start by by giving his lineage his right up front at right? the beginning, yeah. right? And, and I think it was a point of of pride to say. He he's a descendant of of david he's a descendant of solomon he's a descendant of all the kings he's he's from this kingly line and and the whole old testament is really just the family history story of of christ it's setting the stage the table for for christ coming and i There's think a lot of begats for sure definitely a lot of begatting <laughs> my favorite thing and and i think that this was part of their fear as far as they, in that time period, dealing with so many false Christs and and to have him have a lineage that ties back to David and at the same time people treating him like the king when he rides triumphantly into Jerusalem and they say, here is our king, I would have to think that, that they would be aware of that line and, and that's why Rome took the threat as seriously as they did, that here's somebody that, that lays claim to the throne, why they would put king of the Jews on the top of his cross, so... Interesting. I, I think it might factor into that. All right. Uh, going into these best gifts, it says seek ye earnestly the best gifts, and how do we seek those gifts? Right. How, what do we do to seek these these gifts? And and I have kind of a, a an interesting story in my mission. Um, when when I was when I was down there, I I, I got I got in sick. In Mexico, yes. Thank you. In in Culiacan, Mexico. Uh, Early on in the mission, I did get sick with uh, amoebas, and uh, Sunday afternoon, right after church, I I just got super sick, went home, high fever, and uh, the other missionaries that I was with, they weren't sure what to do, so in our freezer, there was a big plate of ice, I, I don't know, the size of the freezer, and they just pulled that out and set it on top of me to try to get my body temperature down. Um but the next day I went to the doctor on Monday and uh, he prescribed some medicine for the amoebas and by Monday afternoon I was feeling fine. Um but later on in my mission we had our our mission president come and and to to zone conferences and and we were out in the Baja Peninsula of Mexico, so he flew over to the peninsula to come have a zone conference. And after the Zone Conference, he was going to have his one-on-one interviews with the missionaries. And, and as I was preparing for this Zone Conference, I read the, the story in the Old Testament about Jacob wrestling with God. And he's, he, he's holding on to God, and he won't let him go until he gets a blessing. And that story kind of stuck with me and impressed me. So when it was my turn to have an interview with the mission president, after the inter- interview, he asked me, is there anything I can do for you? And I decided at that time to ask for a blessing. It just kind of felt right. And he blessed me that all the food that I ate would be clean before I ate it and that I would be healthy. And so, you know, I thought it was pretty cool, but my the end of the mission came and and I did not get sick another single day, the whole mission. Not only that, but like, the next ten years of my life, I didn't miss a single day of work. I, I think I finally got strep throat a couple of years ago. Broke the <laughs> broke the 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 run, and and it, it, I mean it was bad. I I stuck Q-tips down. I, I, I called the <laughs> I called the urgent care. And said I don't want to go in, and I'm sure you guys don't want me there either. Would you, would it be okay if I just stuck Q-tips down my throat, put them in a Ziploc bag, and sent them there with my wife? And and they, they said no. Well, yeah, of
1: course not. This is, hey, um, did your mission? Does your mission president? Did he um, dislocate your hip before or after the blessing? <laughs> yeah, see, I, I escaped that one. Uh,
0: but it, but I feel like was that, that was, a good joke or not?
1: <laughs> it was pretty good. I mean, I'm just trying to show you that I do know something from the Old Testament.
0: You know a lot from the Old Testament. I know very little about
1: the Old Testament, but occasionally I'm like, oh hey, I know kind of what I know that story that he's talking about, and I know that there's like a broken leg or a broken hip in here somewhere.
0: Was that a hip? (laughs) It was a hip. It was. Did he dislocate his hip? He he dislocates his hip. Kind kind of his 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 thigh bone or uh, yeah, kind of a kind of an interesting story there. Yeah, it doesn't sound great yeah I didn't have to go through that but I was looking at that as as, as kind of a spiritual blessing that I received i i feel like i th- I feel like I've been blessed with with pretty good health ever since then so I, I I relate that story but I mean I throw it out there it says Seek ye earnestly the best gifts how how do we seek the best gifts and and what should we be doing I don't know do you have any do you have any thoughts on that Nate I have thoughts <laughs> Should, should
1: I, let me l- let me just I let me just give you my big picture thought on this. Okay. I think that um when we're seeking gifts, mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing is is that we just need to first of all um be honest with ourselves about why why mm. we're seeking that gift. And if it is um and if it's for the correct reason, I think that it'll actually um be fairly obvious of how to obtain or nurture or curate or receive that gift.
0: Does uh, that make sense? Absolutely it does. And and I think maybe the key here is when it says seek ye earnestly the best gifts. How do we know what the best gifts are?
1: I mean, for sure the gift of flight would be number one. <laughs>
0: And I, I, I look at this, and and I wonder if the best gift doesn't depend on who it is, right? Maybe you kind of go into what you're saying. What is the purpose for this gift? What are we doing it like? The Lord says, "Don't consume it on your lusts. Don't just do it because you think it would be cool." I mean, yeah, everyone would love to fly, but maybe that's not exactly the reason we should be okay, seeking gifts. and not a, in a
1: very non-jokey <laughs> way. Now, okay, we're told what the best gift is, right?
0: We are told what the best gift is. Okay, I'm just
1: making sure that I'm not making this up, because if we're supposed to be seeking the best gifts, and we're actually told what the best gifts are, I bet you that we could actually probably have a somewhat conclusive idea of how to seek those things.
0: Well, I I, I agree, but then it also says gifts plural, so maybe maybe more than one, even if we know what the best gift is. and Corinthians chapter what fourteen verse one, I believe it says seek ye uh, charity seek ye, but above all seek ye the gift of of prophecy at least when when he says talking about the best gifts um that that's kind of high up on didn't he
1: i it doesn't in the Doctrine of Covenant say like the gift of eternal life is like is the best gift though, doesn't it specifically <laughs> say that? Probably
0: does. Where does that say that? That'd be. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up right now. Keep going because I swear that I'm not making this up. <laughs> so when he says best gift, and he says best gifts plural, what is it? I Mo- Moses, for example, he says, "I wish that all men were prophets." And in the context of that, right? He's uh, the poor guy is sitting on his on his chair in judgment all day long. And, and people are coming to him with all of their problems because he has this gift of, of discernment or the gift of, of prophecy, I guess is how he calls it. And, and it's getting to be too much for him. And, and talking with, I believe his father-in-law, and he gets this idea, you, you need to call 70 elders and share the load. And so he calls 70 elders and they were set to be uh, to receive this gift of the spirit, this gift of prophecy. And when they, when they go there, there's one of them that's missing, that's outside of the camp. And so 69 of them are prophesying and filled with the Spirit. And then this other one who kind of missed the event walks in. And then they, they, he goes to prophesy, and the other's like, no, you're too late. You weren't here when you were supposed to. And then Moses says, no, no, I wish everyone was a prophet. Don't stop anyone from prophesying. I wish everyone was filled with the Spirit. Because if everyone's filled with the Spirit— then why do you need to go to Moses and complain about your problems? Wouldn't wouldn't you have the spirit to be able to help you understand how to fix that and to come to terms with somebody else and and be happy and rectify your situation without having to take it to somebody else? Anyways, that's the you found something. I Found though.
1: it, and it is. It's in Doctrine and Covenants forty six thirteen. I knew it was in here. I was, I was a little off on what it was, but it's more or less the same thing. But I do remember it saying that this is first among special gifts, and that is to know that Jesus is the Christ. The knowledge is placed first among the spiritual gifts because it is it is obtained by revelation to believe that Jesus of Nazareth, the, Nazareth, Nazareth, geez, the anointed one the Messiah. This is from um, um, some commentary on it. Knowledge is a special gift, but it's placed, the Doctrine and Covenants 46.13.
0: I like it. Um, so the, the the number one gift is. Do you want to phrase that again?
1: Yeah the the knowledge that Jesus is the Christ.
0: Okay, and now I'm going to read the uh, Book of Revelation, chapter 19, verse 10. And it says, um, "For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy." There it is. So we were both right. We were both right. What's up? <laughs> We hit this from two different angles. This is
1: great, dude. We're on a roll tonight, man.
0: <laughs> so I think that when we're talking about the greatest gift, to be able to to have the Spirit and in, in, in a sense where you know that Jesus is the Christ, to have that testimony, and that testimony drive all of the decisions that you're making, it makes life so much easier for everybody else, right? I, I mean... I, the gift of tongues is super helpful if you can translate for somebody, but how much more helpful is it if everyone's speaking the same language, and that language being the language of the Spirit? Everybody's on the same page, where that Spirit can reveal to them what, how you need to act, or what you need to do, or where you need to be, or how... Yeah, I think I mean, you just it nailed
1: just, it, of how we need to act, right? Because the mm-hmm. idea is, the idea is if we truly are converted, which... I know I'm trying to constantly do personally all the time, so I, I am not coming at this from a, hey, I've got this figured out. But I can tell you that when I'm in my best place with, you know, God and, and with where I'm at spiritually, it is it's just second nature to serve or to give, you know, or to try to uplift somebody else's testimony. And again, like... For anybody that knows me, I, I I'm admitting to everybody that doesn't like trust me, I blow this all the time, <laughs> but but it it is a very natural, it is a very natural thing to do that once you like the the, the deeper you are into this, to your you know the closer you ha- the better relationship you have with God, I really do feel like the fruits of that are immediately try to make other people's lives better.
0: There's a reason why love God is the first commandment, right? Yes. It, it, it really does drive. If you love God, how could you not love your yes. neighbor? How could you not keep everything? I mean, it puts everything in perspective. It puts everything in line. First off, seek the great... I mean, the greatest gifts are anything that pulls us to Christ. And I think that's the purpose of all of these gifts. And it, anything to unify and to help us. And it is interesting... As he's, as he's diving into these, he says in verse 10, And again, verily I say unto you, I would that you should always remember and always retain. So both remember and retain here. Always remember and retain in your minds what those gifts are that are given unto the church. Hmm. And I'm like, oh, that, that's interesting. I mean, I know where they're at in the scriptures, and I, I know there's the gift of healing and the gift to be healed, and I remember hearing about these, but how much do I remember and retain, and I am I really putting a lot of time studying these, or even taking it one step further, am I seeing which of these gifts I should be developing? If I'm seeking the best gifts, how much is this really on my mind? Well, that's what's that's what's so cool about the word remember,
1: is that it's to recall something maybe forgotten, mm-hmm. or to keep in mind for future consideration, right? Mm-hmm. And I, that word remember, I've, I feel like every time it's used, for me, I always like to try to put it in both contexts, you know, something that I may have forgotten that I need to recall or something that I need to keep in mind. And it even says there to retain in your minds, you know, what these gifts are. Yeah. If it's something that's on your mind, I think you're going to, yeah, you're going to be more. More well, apt to find it yeah, or yeah, seek exactly. it or if build it. Be aware it, right? of it. Yeah.
0: And, and. In in the, in the next verse, I guess it says, "And unto every man is given a gift by the Spirit of God." And, and by man here, I'm, I'm sure they're not talking about the male member of of human society what? here, right? Man, <laughs> and and I feel bad because it okay. kind of it kind of comes across sexist in the scriptures because man for the most part, in most contexts that we read it, it really does refer to mankind in general, right? And saying every man is given a gift by the Spirit, it's not every male, it is every person. Human. Every human, every human. And um, everyone has a gift. And this, this idea that everyone gets a gift... And why do we get this gift? I guess that was a question I was going to ask a little bit earlier, but why do we have these gifts? It reminds me of Greek mythology, and particularly... We go. I love this. <laughs> the, the, ready. the heroes, Perseus and, yeah. and <laughs> Theseus and all of these guys, they're demigods, meaning that they had a, a, a godfather, if you will, or a, a, an immortal parent and a mortal parent. And, and this idea that there is a eternal nature to us, a spirit that lives forever, an immortal part of us and yet enclosed within a physical body housed within a, a physical nature of us. I almost see these heroes as typifying us in our journey to, to deification to to overcome trials, right? And in the book the Heroes by Charles Kingley, there's there's just a, a quote here, Athena calls Perseus, And gives him a choice. And and this is powerful to me. So I'm just going to quote this real quick. She says, Perseus, you must do an errand for me. I am Paulus Athena, and I know the thoughts of all men's hearts and discern their manhood or their baseness. From the souls of clay I turn away, and they are blessed, but not by me. They fatten at ease like sheep in the pasture and eat what they did not sow like oxen in the stall. They grow and spread like the gourd along the ground, but like the gourd, they give no shade to the traveler. When they are ripe, death gathers them, and they go down unloved into hell, and their name vanishes out of the land. But to the souls of fire, I give more fire, and to those who are manful, I give a might more than man's. These are the heroes, the sons of the immortals, who are blessed, but not like the souls of clay, For I drive them forth by strange paths, Perseus, that they may fight the titans and monsters, the enemies of gods and men. Through doubt and need, danger and battle, I drive them, and some of them are slain in the flower of youth. No man knows when or where, and some of them win noble names in a fair and green old age. But what will be their latter end, I know not, and none save Zeus, the father of gods and men." Tell me now, Perseus, which of these two sorts of men seem to you more blessed? And so... So good. It's, it's pretty interesting. So good. You, you know, do you live a worthless life and not go through a lot? or Or do you go out and battle the titans, the monsters, the enemies of gods and men, and go through doubt and need and danger and battle... And which one of these seems more blessed? And, and for Perseus, it was the latter. And so he set out to do some some impossible tasks. And that's the thing about these Greek heroes, when you read about their stories, is they, they're given these impossible tasks to do, but they're not left alone. Perseus is given a, a knapsack from... Um, Hesperides to safely contain Medusa's head, Zeus gives him an adamantine sword, and also Hades' helm of darkness to hide him. Hermes lets Perseus borrow his winged shoes, so he gets the gift of flight. There, Nate, there you are. What? <laughs> and Athena gives him a polished sword. But that's something that you kind of see common in these the- these stories about these heroes. Wait, polished shield. Shield? Did I say sword? He I'm said sorry.
1: Sword, because the shield's this—that's the hero of the story—is that shield,
0: right? Because it reflects uh, Medusa's glare. That's right, and turns her back to stone, right? So this idea in life is that it's not going to be, uh, well, maybe I shouldn't say not. It is going to be hard. We are going to have struggles we're going to battle things. Some people battle with depression or anxiety. Some people battle with loneliness. Uh, Some people battle with with greed or whatever the case may be, and it's not easy. But to help us battle these and to make this journey, God is giving us special gifts, just like these Greek heroes. And it might not be a sword, but as we discuss these gifts— and it's not just the Greek heroes. I mean, you can see this influenced in the writings of, of C.S. Lewis and, and J.R.R. Tolkien. When you look at the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and what happens when Santa Claus rolls up in his sled and and gives each one of them a special gift to help them yeah. battle evil at the end. And and Tolkien, when you look at the, the, the elven robes and the, the fellowship and all the, the, oh, yeah. the elf bread and whatever else they're given to help them with their journey. But the journey's not easy, right?
1: Gimli just wanted some hair, right? <laughs> it's true I just watched that literally like yesterday I don't know why I put that back on but Gimli he's like I just want a, like one thread of your
0: hair you it's, beautiful. You're right. he maiden. did say that and then he got three he was so stoked <laughs> he was stoked sorry keep going but they did receive special gifts from these spiritually empowered beings right this idea this concept is old it's not something that all of a sudden hey I'm going to give you this gifts. I mean from the beginning of time God has known that the mission that we're coming to fill here on earth is wrought with trial, wrought with doubt, with need, with danger, and to give us the best chance of success. These are our gifts. So when he says remember and retain, why, why would we set aside the polished shield when that might be our best chance of, of survival? So what are our gifts? I think there's a real importance for us to be identifying what the Lord has given us and finding ways, as he says earlier, with with the end of our salvation in mind, how do we use this gift to help others? Can I jump in here real quick? Please do. Um,
1: let Let me start by asking you a question because I have thoughts on this too, but how do we know what our spiritual
0: gifts are? That's a good question. I think part, I one one thing is we read through the list of gifts. I think sometimes as we're reading it, we just feel something resonate. Like, you know what, I've seen examples of that in my life, or I've seen where where I have something like this, or you feel a little bit of an attraction. Uh, another is um, patriarchal blessings when we go back. I think that's back, a big one. Yeah, when we go and read our patriarchal blessing and we see what the patriarch uh, has blessed us with or what the Lord has blessed us and And maybe we have developed that, or maybe we haven't. And then part of it is what do we desire? Because the Lord is saying, "Seek ye the best gifts." What gifts do we think we we want to cultivate, and how do we go about doing that? I mean, i there's there's three suggestions that I have, but I what agree were you with thinking? all those.
1: No, I agree with all those. I think I think one that sometimes gets looked over is our baby blessings. I know we've kind of joked about it a little bit too. and And I think when I say it gets looked over a little bit is that, I'm always I'm always kind of bummed out. I'm always kind of bummed out when I you know, see a baby blessing and I'm like, "Man, here's 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 the first really great chance in the name of God, hopefully with the spirit to give this child some gifts or 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 put down on a piece of paper what the Lord is telling you that he has blessed them with, right?" Yes. I always kind of get a little bit I I always at least for me it's like I always it's I take those seriously as like well as the you should. three times that I've had to ba- to bless a baby, you know.
0: I mean, it got to the point in General Conference, right, where the prophet says when you are giving a blessing and, and it just sounds like you're saying a prayer, what are you blessing them with? Exactly. Use use some strong language. I I completely we bless agree you with, this. with I completely X. agree with this. Bless you with here is your opportunity. And and I I might joke around a lot by saying godlike strength and devilishly good yeah. looks, but I mean, no. But I take those seriously, and and it's
1: always I feel like sometimes it's a missed opportunity. I think you're it's, right. It, for me, I'm not going to judge anybody else, but I it's like I, it's one of the ones that I think kind of gets like lost in the shuffle. Like I think we always can say, oh, patriarchal blessing. Well, I'll tell you what, that patriarch has spent an entire life preparing himself so that he can be he can be ready. You know what I mean, and he can, and you know that he can be prepared to be a, um, you know, a direct line of communication. You know what I mean. That he can be there, the the voice, the mouthpiece. I guess is what I'm saying for for the spirit. And I think that uh, I'm I'm always worried that I'm going to miss an opportunity because I think that that is the first amazing chance. And then, and then it gets into, okay, well, what do I need to do so that I'm not such a knucklehead and like actually prepare myself so that I'm not inhibiting the spirit when I'm giving those blessings? But luckily, luckily I think that for me at least, God looks past my idiotness when I'm giving those <laughs> blessings and goes, hey, this is way more for this baby than it is for you. You know what I mean? because because I'll say that those are truly some of the most spiritual I can still distinctly remember just being overwhelmed and um you know truly just saying what was coming to my heart and not and not preparing necessarily the words to say but just trying to prepare in general but um I don't know I I'm a big believer in baby blessings man I I agree I'm a big believer
0: and, and two thoughts on that. I mean, you you, you talk about more for the baby, and, and I can't help but think of King David, something that struck me as, as odd. At the end of his life, it says that he stood up and he addressed the people being filled with the Spirit. And, I, and I, I could never square that up. Like, how? Knowing what he did, how is it that he could stand up being filled with the Spirit and speak to Israel? And in the end, it was his calling, right? It was his responsibility and regardless of what his fate is, regardless of where he's going, in that moment God needed him to provide spiritual counsel to a people that depended on him for it. And so don't let feelings of inadequacy or unworthiness or keep you or hesitate you from being able to pour out blessings upon upon someone you care so deeply about. That I, I think, like you said, the Lord knows and it's it's a lot more about this baby, he's he's going to sustain you in that in that moment. I believe the same thing is too with a lot of blessings. Of like
1: when when people when people ask you, maybe you're you're a minister to a family or something like that, and they need a blessing. It's like sometimes maybe you just got home from a long day of work, and you know maybe it wasn't a day that you probably did your best. You know, you you could probably admit you had a better day, but I still think that there's something. I still think that, like you exactly just said, that as a minister, if you're like, hey, we need you to come and give our family a blessing, instead of saying, no, because I'm an idiot and I make mistakes and I swear too much and I – you know what I mean? Like I, I, I probably need to spend more t- time and attention. I probably need to be nicer to people on the road. It's like I feel like you could go through that laundry list every single day, right? But instead – the lord goes no no go fulfill your calling you and i can square away later but but you you shouldn't shirk your calling or punish this other person because because you and i still have some stuff that we need to square away like uh, you you go be the conduit i'll take care of the rest you know or uh, at least be open to that
0: and and do you want to add to that list not doing <laughs> exactly. not not doing that right exactly I mean, I, uh, and and i look at point. i look at that i mean okay whatever's happened and and I'm I'm trying to improve. I know I'm not perfect. I know I'm never going to be at the point where I want to be. But I'm trying, and I'm trying really hard. And at the same time, looking forward, what what is the best thing for me to do right now? Do I have an opportunity to try to do the right thing to magnify to to do something that's going to uplift someone else, or am I just going to chalk one more one 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 more thing that I'm going to have to try to work out later on? Down I mean, the, road? the answer
1: should probably be. If you get that call, maybe still take a moment to reflect and go and pray and, you know, I mean, prepare still as much as you can. But sometimes you just don't have the time. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's just the spur of the moment. And I would hope that, you know, I would hope that any family that I would minister to would always feel comfortable knowing like, hey, like I'm a knucklehead, but but it's not about me. Mm -hmm. And I don't know.
0: Well, maybe the best way to sum it up is the the counsel that the Lord gives right at the beginning, right? Don't turn anyone away from your meetings, but do all things prayerfully, right? So go and do the blessings or go and bless your child. Do whatever you can. Do the best that you can, but do all things prayerfully. And, and if there's a reason, if there's something there that is holding you back from being able to perform that or magnify that, by all means, if the Lord says don't, don't, right? I'm, we're We're not saying we're not saying push through things if you know that there's there's anything keeping you back but do all things prayerfully and let the lord decide but also trust in the lord and and give yourself more credit don't don't hesitate and hold back when you have an opportunity to to do something as, as wonderful as that cool and as, as you're talking about baby blessings i guess one last note i wanted to hit is we've 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 kind of i don't know Lately, kind of a theme of these, uh, the, you know, the Rumpelstiltskin or these these folklores or the mythology or whatever the case may be is, I cannot help but think about Sleeping Beauty when I think about these baby blessings because what, what is it at the very beginning? These fairies come to bless this baby with, with certain gifts, right? Oh, that's and That's right. And, and and that's what ends up cursing her is that that fairy who get, who blesses her i bless you that you're going to be pricking your finger on a and and, and sleep for yeah i mean well, it wasn't very much of a blessing but oh that doesn't sound like a great thing at all no but i think when we see these things finding their way in folklore i mean it's just one more testimony i guess to me that it, there is something to it there's there's something innate in in human existence i mean this i, I don't know it's, it's it's part of us for sure it is all right, moving into, let's see. To some is given by the Holy Ghost to know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he was crucified for the sins of the world. And to others, it is given to believe on their words that they also might have eternal life if they continue faithful. So I ask myself this, which is greater? And, and when I first read this, If I have the option of either knowing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God versus believing somebody else who's telling me that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, I I go with no every time. Like, that seems like the better gift. Like, if I please, please, I'll take this one. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, but as I was reading this again, I could not help but think about Thomas. When, yeah, he's, he's, everyone's telling him Jesus has risen. Mm. And he's like, yeah. I'm not going to believe it until I see it. Like He did not have the gift to believe on their words. He had to know for himself. And then when he sees Christ and Christ says, hey, blessed are you for believing, but how much more blessed would you have been had you believed on the testimony that people were giving you, to believe without seeing? And so I look at that, and it almost makes me look at it differently. Like maybe, maybe the fact that you can believe on someone else's words is a greater gift. I think when we read it, it
1: it looks like we're believing just like our buddy's words. But I don't think it's that, right? It's right. that the scriptures we read are somebody else's testimony. The mm-hmm. prophet is somebody else's testimony. All these other things. So we're not necessarily just looking at somebody that's on the street saying, hey, like, trust me on this one, right? Like, right, that, right, that, right. That, that believing on... To believe on somebody else's words is critical for everything that we do that requires any sort of faith, right? But doesn't it still seem like knowing is the final finish line a little bit of believing on somebody else's words? Like doesn't it still feel like the the fruits of the faith labor are still at the end of the day knowing?
0: Uh, yeah, and I think I think as we start looking at these gifts, we find that they are not mutually exclusive. In fact, one gift might lead into the other. Because when we talk about to know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, it, it doesn't say to see yes. and know— it says to be given by the Holy Ghost to yeah. know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And perhaps a lot of us, that's how this works is we start with the gift to believe on the words of other because faith, as it says in the New Testament, faith comes by hearing and the hearing by the Word of God. And and before we know, we we believe on something, we believe on these words, and maybe one gift matures into another gift.
1: I totally agree with that. So, so then can we say the no is the best one then still or no?
0: You know what? Probably so. All right. Probably so. And maybe maybe when it says, seek ye the best gifts. See, that's what I'm saying. Maybe this is what it's referring to. You have the gift to believe on others' words. Now seek ye the best gift. Take this one step further and find a way there it to is. know. I think that that
1: is, that is connecting the two. That's connecting the dots for me.
0: Yeah. Love it. Awesome. Okay, next it says, to know the difference of administration. And that seems kind of like a weird little gift to have. You can know the difference of administration. I mean, are we talking about the difference of administration versus ministration? Here it just says to know the difference of administration, and, okay. and, I, and I wanted a little help on this, and it does show up in 1 Corinthians 12. Okay, So, so we have the same bl- gifts, the same blessings. So I looked up the Greek here, and, and this made me laugh. The Greek word for administration comes from diakono or deacons. Hmm. So, so deacons, literally, um, this is uh, the gift to be deaconing, if you make deaconing? that a verb. Yes, deaconing. Um, or I guess not deaconing. Um, because it's to know the difference of deaconing. Oh, okay. <laughs> Cause, and, and deacon in Greek means to be the servant of a king. It's the one who carries out the orders. Administration. Administration. They're the one that collect the money. They're the one that distribute the money. They're the ones that care for the poor. They're the ones that are going out and doing the footwork. So it's not the gift of deaconing, but it's the gift to know the difference of deaconing. In other words, I think this is the gift to organize and give direction. Mm. Some people are really good at this, big picture people that can look at something and they can organize and say, okay, I need you to be handling this and you to understand this. And I think people with this gift have a good understanding for the priesthood, the levels of the priesthood, the calling of a de- teacher, the calling of a deacon, the calling of a priest, the calling of an elder. And when you understand the governance of God and how to organize and give directions, I believe this is a spiritual gift that, that God has given Cool. Some people are really good at that. Not me. The, the other is the diversity. I'm good, at, I'm good
1: at administration.
0: Well, and and I think I try that, to be at least that might be where this comes in because this is the next gift is diversity of operations. Yeah, that's not one of mine either. I don't know. Maybe it is. <laughs> Hit me with it. So operations again. I looked this up in the New Testament. Just wanted a little bit of help here on this. The Greek word is energma. Okay. Which is where we get. Um, the word energy from oh okay but also where we get ergonomics the the study of being efficient or working efficiently and and really what this is coming to is where where the pavement hits the or where the the, the tires hit the pavement is yeah. that is that the better word? is that how you is actually say idiom
1: it? yeah it's my daughter taught me what an idiom was last week my oh, eight-year-old there you go okay continue
0: okay so
1: where the rubber hits the pavement yes i don't know never mind
0: where where the tires hit the road? Tire hits the road, the rubber, rubber hits, hits the, the pavement. pavement. Something where it happens. The operations. <laughs> this is the work. This is the this is where all the energy happens. This is where it's taking place. And and, and for me, some people are a little bit more small picture. Like, I don't care about how this all works. I just need to know what's in front of me and what I need to do so I can do my job and move on to the next thing. Just just line me out and I am good. So I think some people are really good at organizing and giving directions and other people are really good at just knocking things out and getting it done. That, that's kind of how I look at this. Is... What if I'm not good at either? <laughs> well, you've got to be good at something, though. I mean, you would, I'm good at Mario Kart. You are. You are. Good really? At Mario good. Kart. Um, I, I don't know. So, some. I just wish that I'm just trying to. I'm looking at both of these
1: and I'm like, look, I'm not really good at necessarily organizing things big picture. I'm definitely not good at just being like, hey, give me a list of things that need to get done just because I lose focus. But you want to know what I'm good at? Loving, dude. There you go. I can love people. So, and... where does that come in? <laughs> <laughs> <And as laughs> Please we tell we ta- me that's one in here.
0: Well, as we talk about operations, let's look at it a little bit differently. If we say it's energy, and this idea of workings—literally, it, um, it it is the workings, right? And so, if we look at the operations as the workings of the spirit or the energies that are filled, to be able to discern spirits or or feel that motivation, understand what motivates uh, from God or what motivations are coming from the adversary, to be able to have a you know gift of discernment maybe fits into this a okay, little bit. Okay. Um, but, but feeling that spirit and acting on it in a way that shows more love. I mean, obviously, as you've mentioned, uh, some people just have a innate ability or a gift to be able to minister like the Savior, to be able to love people and spend time with them, talk about them and help them feel important.
1: I try to do that. I will tell you though, that it is interesting because I didn't, I didn't know that this was a thing until... Until I did go on a mission and was not super awesome about obeying every detail and fine letter of the law. Like, I was not good at being exactly obedient. Mm-hmm. But, like, I felt no inhibition whatsoever when it came to just being able to, like, love people without trying. Like, it's weird. Maybe that's in here somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's what the ergonomics one is.
0: Well, I think... Um I, hopefully, I, hopefully
1: that hopefully that counts.
0: <laughs> it super counts it's it's you know arguably more important than anything honestly Maybe. because it says it, it's actually really touching when I read Moroni's words about the subject because he says although a man may prophesy and we and, and we talked about prophecy and having a testament of Christ being the greatest gift of all right although a man prophesy although a man does this or that if he has not charity, he is nothing. Hmm. And and Moroni saw our time. And when he saw our time and he saw what was going on, his, his heart broke a little bit and he prayed and said, God, please bless them with charity. Mm. If there was one gift that Moroni could reach through the eons and give us and touch us and, and instill upon us, it's what you're saying, that that gift of charity, that gift of love.
1: And I wish and, I was more charitable. I don't know when you're saying that I'm like man I don't feel like I actually qualify for that as much. <laughs> it's interesting though to your point if that is one of the if that is one of the best gifts, which I would agree it is. Mm-hmm. Like I think I think we could probably find plenty of evidence that that is at the top of the lists. Luckily
0: we're kind of given an instruction manual on how to obtain that one. Yes. So that's good. And and that's one we should absolutely be seeking. But what's heart-wrenching to me is God's response to Moroni when he says if they have not charity, it's not on you. Like I mean, it's it's not a very positive answer. Like don't don't worry about it. I, they're they're gonna be them. I, I don't know. To me, it's just heartrending to see the charity that he had to pour his whole soul out for us. That if we could give us one thing, this gift of charity, and and God says, if if they don't have it, don't don't worry about it. Mm. And you're like, ooh, crazy. <laughs> But yeah, that is absolutely something that we should be developing. And I think sometimes we're our own harshest critics, right? Sometimes we look at it and say, oh, maybe maybe not so much this, or maybe, maybe I don't have, I don't know. If we could look at ourselves through other people's eyes and, and see what they do, maybe going back to a comment that you had earlier, how do we know what gifts we have? Um, maybe maybe spend some time talking to your parents or your spouse, people that love you, that know you, and that mm. can see you from an outside perspective because they might pick up on things and not be so critical or judgmental of you as much as you are going to be on yourself. I get that. I believe that. Okay. Here they, they talk about wisdom and knowledge. Again, these kind of go in these little uh, these little couplets, if you will. It says again, verily I say unto you: to some is given by the Spirit of God um, the word of wisdom; to another is given the word of knowledge, that all may be taught to be wise and to have knowledge. Mm-hmm. So, what is? I, I think I think people have talked about the difference between wisdom and knowledge a lot, right? The idea that wisdom is knowing what to do with what you know, where knowledge is what you actually know, right? In in the Greek, wisdom is sophia. That this and it's it's more of a broad deal. Knowledge comes from the same word as the Gnostics, the Gnosis, and it is this is more deep, profound, penetrating. And in, um, in in the ancient languages, that knowledge is, is the same word that they use as a euphemism for intimacy, for knowing Adam knew his wife, or this idea that there's a deeper knowledge. So... A lot of times we, we kind of write off knowledge and say, oh, it's just bookmarks so or knowing a lot of facts. It's not near as important as the wisdom or this idea of common sense. But in, in here, I think there's something more deep or penetrating about knowledge. And it's not to say that one is better than the other as we're looking for what the best gifts are. Because the Lord, when he says this, he says, to some is given the word of wisdom, to others given the word of knowledge that all may be taught to be wise and to have knowledge. It's awesome. It's good that we're
1: talking. It's good that that's said, because I think you're right. Sometimes we're like, oh, it's not as important to have a lot of information. It's like, I don't think that word knowledge in this case is just talking about having a lot of information.
0: No, I, I think it's being deeply familiar and, and, and intimate. Like you're you're diving in and understanding things at a whole different level, right?
1: Which leads to knowledge, or which leads to wisdom, I feel like. It does. Having I, a deeper I, understanding of something, I think, makes it so that you can apply it. It's what, I mean, it's why I love just reading through the notes of that you put together for these things, is because I'm like, oh, hey, there's knowledge, there's a deeper level of understanding of information in here that, that helps me make way deeper connections and actually apply things more that I wouldn't have been able to apply without understanding it a little bit deeper.
0: And they go together... And I think, it's, I, I think it's key here that God does not say, to some I give the gift of wisdom, and to others I give the gift of knowledge. You'll notice, I give the gift of the word of wisdom, mm. and the gift of the word of knowledge. Because he says the purpose is so that all, everyone, may be taught both. Love it. So everybody gets both knowledge and wisdom, and, and it's important that everyone gets a little bit of both, but these gifts is not that you that you get it or not. Maybe you have a gift for understanding and learning to teach it. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have this gift where you catch on and you, you learn these things, and now you can disseminate it, but everybody gets to benefit from these gifts as they learn these things. As um, we, is we I don't know, we, we can scroll through some of these gifts, but... I think maybe something as we're getting to trying to wrap this up a little bit, they starting to come in pairs, and you'll notice a lot as we talked about the wisdom, we talked about the knowledge, the the knowing versus believing. You're going to talk about the gift of healing versus the gift of being healed, uh, you, the the gift of tongues versus the gift of translating by tongues, and there's all sorts of great blessings here. And maybe verse 26 to just kind of cap this off. It says. And all these gifts come from God for the benefit of the children of God. And, and maybe just going right back to this idea that, that we are heroes. We have an impossible quest in front of us, but it's made possible by these gifts from a divine being who's giving it to us. And verse 32, and ye must give thanks unto God in the spirit for whatsoever blessing he has blessed you with. And as we're trying to keep this remember and retain on our mind, maybe that's one of the best ways to remember and retain it, is do we take time to kneel down and earnestly thank God for the gifts and recognize what gifts we've had? If, if we're not sure what gifts we have, take some time to, to figure it out. Pray, study, think about it, talk to people that that know you well, and and then pray with God and give thanks for those gifts and maybe ask Him how can I do this with, with your eternal salvation at, at the end your your end game in mind how can I use this gift to help me get to where I need to be love it okay what are we talking about next week next week we are diving into Doctrine and Covenants sections 49 and 50 it's dealing with receiving light oh I love it I'll, I have thoughts on this I'll have thoughts next
1: week excellent I'm ready I'm ready. Uh, All right. All right. See you next week. Bye.
0: Bye.